Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff Sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe with Thomas Patrick Dorian. Hello. Number 53. 58. 58. Number 58. There you go. Yeah. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Do Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> I should have never told you that story. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> Takes you back to high school, doesn't it? No. That was College. grade school. Grade school? Yeah. Oh, man. You've been playing football a long time. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it shows. You have that same helmet because your head is so big. I can't remember a lot of things. Yeah. Okay, well, good. Uh, but you can remember who's sitting to your it's right. Special size. And that is Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. I'm so glad we guys are. I'm, you know what? I'm so happy to be here. How can you not be happy to be in the Catholic Cafe? Well, really, it's the company, I think. Got our apple fritters yeah. in front of us. Oh, apple yeah, fritters. I love apple fritters. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the ones the made with, with, uh, with peaches. I love those the best. Yes. The apple fritters made with peaches. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, all that aside, uh, all this happiness abounding. You know, I, I do want to do one thing. I want to give a shout out mm-hmm. to a loyal listener Ooh. who's going through some tough times right now. And we're all going to say hello, Vicky. Hi, Vicky. Hi, Vicky. And we're going to, uh, Vicky, we are pledging to pray for you. Yes. Okay. So just know that we love you and we thank you for listening. Uh, and uh, there are beautiful things that the Lord has in store for you. So Amen. just want you to know that. Um, and then, did, uh, w- did Vicky ask about me? No, she didn't. She, she didn't actually didn't like you. I think That's I'm just shocking. teasing. No, That's no, she shocking. likes you. She likes all of us. <laughs> she's a she's a sweet lady. Um, so that said, uh, well, here we are, uh, and I'm going to ask this question, guys. Uh, well, just like, uh, well, Ziggy. Yeah. Like, do you ever go to church? That's it. That's it. I just, oh, I've been once or twice. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no. Do you ever? Do, do, do you do you ever go to church and like really you weren't prepared by reading the readings? It's happened to me. I'm admit even as a deacon, I try. I really do. I, I try to keep with the prayers. I, I try to do what I'm supposed to do. But occasionally things, you know, as a family man. Things happen and schedules and what's going on, and sometimes I'm not as well prepared as other times. Mm-hmm. And there might have been a time where where you're sitting there, even if you've been prepared and you've read the readings, where suddenly something just strikes you, mm-hmm. you know. And I know for the most part, when 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 there's going to be a homily at that mass done by the deacon or the priest, invariably they're going to probably talk a lot about what's in the gospel. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that second reading. Mm-hmm. Right, that New Testament reading is something that like sticks out and says like, "Hey, preach about me," mm-hmm. you know, the, or, or or it makes you think about like, "Wow, if if there's anything that speaks to this day and this age, a message that we need to hear and not ignore, then this is it." Right, and that's exactly the way I feel about this uh, this letter uh, from Saint James uh, that I think is. Uh, it's bright, quite profound, and I was like, as you hear this, it's like, wow, uh, this is something we need to talk about. So we're going to do this show about this. Listen, but let's read it. It's from the second chapter of Saint James, the first five verses, and it says, "My brothers and sisters, show no partiality as you adhere to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For if a man with gold rings and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and a poor person in shabby clothes also comes in." And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say, sit here, please, while you say to the poor one, stand there. 
or sit at my feet? Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil designs? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, did not God choose those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? Woo. Wow. That's uh, pretty convicting. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 when I hear that, I, I, sit, I can't help but think, uh, well, I'll just admit it, about my own hypocrisy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And especially in sort of like, you know, the ecclesial wonderland of the Catholic Church. Right, how sometimes we can really be very concerned about the collection and who's putting money in the collection and how much is being put in the collection. And I know these are things that are important, right? Because it keeps the lights on, keeps the air conditioner on, because nobody wants to go to mass if it's 107 inside the building, right? Mm-hmm. So these are important things, but we we pay a lot of attention to the people that are able to bring a lot of money with them to the mass, right? And and maybe not as much attention to the to the ones who don't have the money to give. And I actually think a lot about, for myself, I think a lot about the people that are kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Right? The people that aren't super wealthy mm-hmm. necessarily. And they aren't necessarily destitute. They don't walk in and you think like, man, that guy hadn't had a bath in six months. Mm-hmm. You know, and he has no shoes on. Those, those are easier to see, right? And you notice that. But then there's a lot of people that just... I'm amazed at the faith of people I find out that were frugal with their money, but they 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 just didn't spend a lot, and they just they they wore the same clothes for like 20 years because they were still good, mm-hmm. you know. And and I'm amazed at that faith, but those aren't necessarily the people that we listen to, that we that we invite, that we think are going to be uh, good parishioners. Mm. Now, th- there's a lot to unpack there. So let me, like Sam, let me ask you. I mean, what what are your thoughts on? I'm gonna put you on the spot because uh, sometimes it's like I, I think I, I'm not like the best person in the world when I think that way. Well, I think it's important for us to sit up and pay attention to uh, the uh, problems in the church, right? Uh, rather than just have an idealized view of it. I remember when I was there was once upon a time I was praying about the possibility of being a priest and actually being a religious and the vocations director for religious order that I was praying about. Was that when you were struck by lightning? It was right after. (laughs) You got an answer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just teasing. No, uh, but the vocations director, he said, hey, do you need to have an idealized view of the church? Like, do you need it in, in order for your faith to survive? Because if you need it, if you need to have that idealized view of the church, then don't go deep and go become a clergyman or go become a religious. Just stay in the pews, you know, and, and just focus on the Lord. Uh, he's like, you need to know that about yourself. He's like, because if you're the more you get drawn in, especially if you become a priest or a religious, you're going to see the ugly side of everybody. And and that had a big impact on me because I hadn't really thought about it in that way. But I think it's important for us to take off the Pollyanna lenses, um, not just in terms of this or that individual person, but also the structures that are in place. And, you know, I think one thing that that passage points to that is disturbing, you know, in our parish system, you end up having situations where you'll have this or that parish is in this or that wealthy neighborhood and then as a result because you have that concentration of wealth and especially one that's been there for generations 
that wealth has led to great facilities, the best school, and dare I say it, sort of elite social circles that attract other people say, oh, I want to be a part of that circle. Now, in all fairness, though, they don't usually say, hey, come here because we are a higher class Catholic. <laughs> no, right? no, they it, don't. People, it just, it's, it's a natural uh, maybe un, unhealthy right. and maybe even a little unholy gravitation. It's our human side. It's a, yeah, it's just a natural it's a natural human all too human so to speak result of the structures that are in place. And then all of a sudden you have people who uh, might be pretty wealthy and able to really help this or the, the the parish that's actually their territorial parish that's actually closest to where they live, mm-hmm. but they don't want to go there because that parish doesn't have the school they need, you know, or they think they need, or mm-hmm. it doesn't have this or that facility, it doesn't have a uh, the the sort of people that they'd like to sort of connect with and rub elbows with whether or not they want to admit that to themselves right mm-hmm. and so then you end up having and you know you, you've heard the term brain drain you know where smart people leave uh, this or that country that's a developing country and they really need folks with PhDs and they need people who are educated right. in this or that way and they start draining away to start going to places like the United States which already has a huge concentration of people with those educational credentials the same mm-hmm. thing kind of happens with these wealthy parishes start attracting wealthy people from across the diocese. And so then you have this divide that ends up happening because you don't have, there's nothing in the canon law that requires pollination, cross pollination between parishes, between rich parishes and poor parishes. Right. You know, that's something that would have to be intentionally done either by the priests who are in leadership or by the bishop for example, uh, could institute something like that at the diocesan level, but it's not something you typically see. Mm-hmm. you know. And so, yeah, I think as a result, that exact phenomenon that is being described by James um, is something that is just naturally happening as a result of the parish structure that we, parish system structures that we have in place right now. We have to ask ourselves, is there something we can do? Are we in a bubble? Which, well, basically are not enforcing the parish boundaries. That's definitely one big issue. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't know that I know the answer to that question because uh, uh, my, my follow up question then to what you were just saying was like, well, are you saying that we should stop having parishes? Are you saying that that our our parish structure is broken and it, it's beyond repair or whatever? And I'm not. I know you're not necessarily saying that, but you're challenging us now in terms of like what a parish is and what happens at that parish and where that parish is. So in other words. Are you impl- you want to implement a busing program between parishes? <laughs> now, I know you're not, and I'm and I'm just I guess I'm pointing out that like so like good Catholics listening to this program right now are probably looking at their parish and realizing that their parish may have a lot of people that are just like them. And right. we've been talking about rich and poor, but what about uh, uh, Hispanic or non-Hispanic? Oh gosh, black yeah. and white, right? All the different uh, cultures and 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 uh, racial mixes and whatnot. You know what's happening to our parishes, and you look around, and most parishes there's not a there's a few places that I can I can count like in our diocese that are very well integrated in terms of different types of folks. One of them I, I think is uh, St. Williams out there, mm-hmm. uh, but it's right next to um, a military base, right? right? And so it has and it has a large uh, population of like various, and it's kind of a neat parish to to uh, I've done a uh, a mission there before and got to meet those folks, and it's really some some nice stuff that has has gone on there but most parishes tend to like most of the people tend to look alike right mm-hmm. and, and and they tend to be 
the same kind of social status. And not always, but there's a lot of that. Um, and that's something we need to probably be aware of. But like in terms of like the parish structure, I don't know what happens now because I think one of the ways we might have gotten here is that we have fewer and fewer parishes. Mm. So, Tom, you were right in pointing out that pe- they don't really enforce parish boundaries anymore. Right. I mean, if they were, you wouldn't be able to go to a parish that you happen to go to, right? Right. And right. I'm the same way. Well, of course, I'd be assigned as a deacon. That's different. But my point is, most of us, you know, are, have grown up like choosing a parish. Um, but in the in the day, you didn't choose a parish. Yeah. That was your neighborhood. Right. And that was where you were. And maybe it was even very segregated at that time, right? There may have been, and I'm not talking about racially, but I'm talking about in in terms ethnicity. of like ethnicity, but also culture, uh, wealth, whatever your neighborhood was, that's who went to that particular parish. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I get that, and I know that times have changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what's amazing to me is, is what strikes me about this particular passage, uh, that St. James really is just going right to the heart of what's eating at us right now as a church. How we treat other people and how we... We treat some people with great respect, and we treat some people with less respect. We don't hate the other people, but we don't really invite them in because we don't think they'll be as effective or as good, or wouldn't it be a nice feather in my cap if I could land this whale? And that what they call him in, uh, in, in gambling circles? Right. The guy right. with the big wad of cash. Right. If I can land this whale, you know, get him in there. You know, he'll be able to fund this program, and all of a sudden, my parish is going to do all these great things, and then we can reach out to those poor people, right? And I, you know, and again, I, I get the heart, but I, I wonder, are we missing the boat about how we treat others and how we respect others, and realize that we're all made in the image and likeness of God? Well, and also, you know, for those who are in one of those parishes, um, have we stopped to ask ourselves, maybe, are we in a bubble that it might serve us spiritually? to try to break out of and also try to encourage other members of the parish to break out of and to go and serve others. I mean, God, he's pouring graces in us to pour out to others, you know. So Sam is saying, break out of your parish. Everyone (laughs) resign from your parish and pick another parish. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. (laughs) But but just simply to say, like, if there's... uh, you know, if you have a place that has a an, an overabundance of wealth, and it's like, gosh, we already have the fanciest school, but we we can use this money to get even fancier, versus, you know, uh, we've got a surplus here, you know, or we have the capacity for a surplus, depending on how we run our finances and run our accounting. Are there ways where we can be blessings to our city uh, and other parts of the city? If we if we start looking at uh, the broader landscape, Sam, that's a great a concept to think about, and and I will say that it's not totally unheard of because, it, in fact, I know at our particular parish, mm-hmm. uh, and me being involved in the chancery and kind of seeing sort of some diocesan operation a little bit from the, you know, the sausage factory side of things to be able to see how things kind of work. Yeah, uh, I have seen in the past, and we don't hear about it as much, but there are parishes that have essentially twinned or partnered with poorer parishes either in their city or like maybe in Haiti yeah. or something like that and that, that is very heard of you don't see it as much but it's something that I think uh, if we're challenging any listeners today you may or may not be on the parish council but you if you are a parishioner I certainly hope you are 
uh, you have every right to say something to your pastor. Like, what are we doing for the, the poor of the community? Well, and, and I think an advantage of doing something in your own diocese, as a, and no offense to Haiti, you know, I, or in any developed They're really struggling right now. Yeah, I've got 100%. Um, but I think one reason to also keep in mind paying attention to those who are in your own city, those who are local, those parishes or parish neighborhoods that might be in need, you know, it makes a big difference with if you're able to actually have a long-standing, you know, this parish has adopted this parish. There's a couple of ways of doing it. If you're just cutting checks to that parish, eh, you know, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. It's good. But I think also actually investing your time, actually showing up to say, you know what, I'm going to coach a basketball team in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, and Oh, can, that's awesome. You know, stuff like that where you're actually building relationships. But can I suggest that you not do that, Sam? <laughs> And I know. I just I get too competitive. You look, <laughs> no, you look you look like a chess master. That's what you look like. I, I think you you play a mean game of chess. Um, no, that's great. And now, there's something else I wanted to uh, point out. There's something else that made me think uh, about this. How God has actually revealed this truth that Saint James is talking about. Saint James is this is not his idea. No, <laughs> this is not a, a Jamesian concept. Yeah, I mean this is essentially is the revelation of God. That's why it's scripture, right? Right. I mean that's obvious. But there's something that really struck me, and it's like where he says at the tail end, he says, "Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, do did not God choose those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that He promised to those who love Him?" And I think about pretty much, yeah, pretty much every apparition. Pretty much every great saint was like this little poor kid, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Who really struggled. Now there are there are people who were wealthy, you know. We I belong to a parish, St. Louis, King of France. I mean, there are saints that were wealthy. Elizabeth Ann Seton, yes, one. yeah. And and but they now they chose to divorce themselves essentially of their wealth, right? Their worldly wealth, right? But they had means, and they were still able to find God in all of that. But but. How God, like, I think about, I've gone to Lourdes, you know, like seven times now. Yeah. And just the idea that, that, that Mary would appear to this little peasant girl, uneducated, you know, and then reveal herself as the Immaculate Conception, it's something this little girl would have never heard that term, and had just essentially been promulgated by the church. And you start to realize um, that God used this little girl who didn't deserve it, quote-unquote. She wasn't wealthy. She wasn't, you know, she, the, the apparitions don't usually come to those who have the big telescopes or the big supercomputers or the big brains or the military leaders, et cetera, et cetera. God uses so often the poor, right? And I, Well, I think this is also pointed to in, the, in, the, in that passage from James and, and also with, with what you're saying is if you've got, like, let's say, a wealthy parish where they're focusing on earthly wealth yeah if that is the focus then that focus on the wrong kind of wealth will lead paradoxically to spiritual poverty yeah like you know it'll lead to a spiritual impoverishment where a person is much better off if they're poor but they're rich in god yeah (laughs) exactly right uh and and so uh these are blessings and i see how god's revealed this uh, throughout history i I also think about being a deacon and, and thinking about uh, uh, you know one of our great patrons um, uh, Saint Lawrence and realizing that he was he went to his martyrdom specifically because he was charged he, he was given a certain amount of time to go and gather all the treasures of the church 
and 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 you know tradition tells us that he basically brought all the poor people right wow. and brought all the poor and the, the widows and the orphans and the poor and brought them and uh, yeah they were a little mad yeah but he said these are the treasures of the church exactly and so god sees the in that the treasury yeah uh, whereas you know a military leader you know whatever w- would see treasury means money means gold mm-hmm. yeah you know, which by the way is why they went to the deacon right because the deacon kept the keys right the key to the church that's why the deacon had that while the priests were busy praying which is what they're supposed to do right, right? the the deacon was the one who was managing the treasure of the church the, the that's why a lot of people don't realize the 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 two stripes on the traditional deacon's uh, garment, the the dalmatic, that those are called clavi. Yeah, and clavi is just Latin for keys. Right. Because the deacon had the keys, and that's why they went to Lawrence and said, "Hey, give us the treasures of the church." Oh, oh here you go. Here's the treasury of the church right here. You know, and as you're saying that, I'm asking myself, you know, if we've got there, there are parishes, like I said, they're keeping up with the Joneses, with their school to make sure that they've got the fanciest, most well-funded school. And, and if this other school has this or that accout- accoutrement, you know, yes. that they'll need it as well. You know, and d- does any of us really believe that Jesus on the last day is going to say, how highly ranked was the school you were helping yep. to support? Right. Are they going to, is he going to be concerned about that? Or is he going to be concerned about, you could have taken that money and you could have shuttled, you know, smart kids who didn't have a great opportunity for an education and given them a scholarship to that school so that they could have a similar benefit, you know, that you're extending to the kids of your own parish. I'm not saying that's the only way to use the money fruitfully, but I have a feeling that Jesus would probably get more excited about that than like a really high-tech jumbotron. So I, I, I agree, and I don't know that there's any one answer of what we can do. I mean, each of us, we're, we're each of us as Catholics, we're, uh, we have families, we have work environments, uh, we have uh, extended family and friends. Uh, and we certainly have a parish, uh, and we have influences in all of those places, and so all of us can do something more to make sure that we are essentially reaching out to the treasury, the genuine treasury of the church, and what what St. James is talking about here to the person in shabby clothes. And it's not just literally the shabby clothes, like I'm 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 destitute and poor of money, but also the people who are poor of spirit, the people who are disenfranchised, the people who are marginalized. Those people don't feel like they don't feel connected in some way, right? And and all of us have a, a part to play in reaching out and and welcoming those people and making um, their lives better, but also making your parish life, making your parish better by their participation. And it's not just like making sure that your your a pastoral council has the right number and right kinds of people. I really think, and I, and I actually think that most parish councils do a pretty good job of saying, hey, we need to have a, they won't say it, but we need to have a poor person on here. I mean, we need to have people who don't look like us. And and if there's anything in the last 30 years of being in America has taught us, you got to be inclusive, right? And I think we all know that. But really what gets to the heart is my personal reaction, if I have two people that I'm wanting to invite which one am I going to invite? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm and I might fail God and fail the church and fail everyone by picking the person I think is going to be more wealthy or impactful or influential or more of a feather in my cap. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud to be able to go to, to to my pastor and say, "Hey, 
I just scored a big one for you, Pastor. I brought so-and-so over. Oh, awesome. Let's put them in the council. Let's get that. You know, it's like I'm not saying that I shouldn't invite that person, but for every one of him, I probably need to be looking at, you know, at least an, another or ten more to make sure that that everyone realizes that they're loved. Well, and we have a vocations crisis. I mean, it could be in those ten others. You have priests you know, like who people who have priestly vocations and callings. That, what a great point! Yeah, now it's an awesome point, Sam. Yeah, yeah I just because like well, we don't know what the potential for every human being, and and you think about it, the number of times we've actually heard uh, someone who really quote unquote made it. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it's the Nobel Peace Prize or what, you hear their stories and you find out who is it, Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, and you always go like, that was so, that was Einstein. I didn't know that about him. And there, and it's usually a a story about um, you know rags to riches, not necessarily in wealth, but like in terms of like someone who seemingly had no future and turned out to be very influential and very and, and a great blessing to the world. You know, you know, curing some kind of cancer or whatever because they were given a chance, a shot, or they had they were they were valued, mm-hmm. you know, and and asked in and invited in, right? And and where we don't see that potential, and that's where, you know, we as much as we're not supposed to, we judge a lot of books by covers. Yeah, you know, it's true, and it's it's hard for us not to do that. So uh, I don't know that I have the answer for everyone. I don't know that we can we can do everything that St. James, but we sure do need to to try and we need to say sit here please right to everybody we meet mm-hmm. right? we need to invite everyone in we need yeah, to invite take everybody personal responsibility for it amen don't I mean, point what, to the parish council right. or somebody else and that's what uh, that's what St. James is talking about here mm-hmm. right to reach out and say sit here please right not just to the wealthy not just to the ones that we think are going to be influential but essentially and that's that's what's going to be the salvation of our church I mean mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is the salvation of the church, salvation of the world. Don't get right, me wrong. Right. But where we, our parishes are struggling, mm-hmm. right, if we, if we act like Christ, we're essentially inviting the poor. What did St. Francis say? We're inviting the poor as if they were Christ and inviting them in. The stones yeah. of the builders rejected have become the cornerstone. Amen. And so we have lots of potential cornerstones out there that we haven't invited. So thank you, St. James, uh, for, <laughs> for this timely reading and something all of us need to take a heart. All of us need to realize just how much Jesus loves us and just how much potential we have if we reach out and tell others that we love them. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's ask the Blessed Mother to be with us, to walk with us in this journey, uh, to lead us to her son, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mother Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.